Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Welcome back to another episode of Lip Service. My guest today is the co-founder of one of the fastest growing tequila brands in the world, Casamigos. He's the husband of Cindy Crawford, the best friend and business partner to George Clooney, and the father to two supermodels. He is Randy Gerber. He's lived an incredible life so far. Excited to have him. Truth be told, we actually grew up down the street from each other. Uh, I don't think he knew when I met him uh, and we spoke a couple of years ago. So I'm excited to have him here. We have a lot of connections. He has an incredible story, an incredible journey. It's going to be great, great time. Coming up in just a moment, Mr. Randy Gerber. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more, more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out, at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. How are you? All right. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. My guest today is the incredible entrepreneur and businessman, Randy Gerber. I gave you a great intro before you came on, Randy. So we got all <laughs> the festivities it. out of the way. Yeah, of <laughs> course. It's funny because we actually grew up right by each other, which we, when we connected a couple of years ago and I sat with you at Craig's, we talked yep. about it. But you grew up in Hewlett and I grew up in Hewlett. And we both went to Hewlett High School. Um, That's so right. We're both Long Island boys. Yeah. So you actually grew up, I think, on Adams, right? Am I correct? Is that the street? Adams Lane, Lane yeah. Yeah. I, I moved around a little bit. You know, I was in Woodmere, then Hewlett. Always five towns, though. Um, 
yeah, until uh, I moved to the city later on. But yeah, I grew up in the five towns. It's pretty incredible because you actually grew up like three streets away from me. There was like a swamp. And then if you went down the swamp, it led to your street, which was this hill. And it was it's yeah. just crazy how we never knew each other then. But you're a couple years older than me, but we definitely went to the same high school. So um, we have a lot yeah. of connections. It's funny. I was telling my mother, Randy, that we were doing this. And she said, tell Randy that his dad and I went on a couple double dates back in the day. <laughs> well, not my, my mother was going on a date with someone. I guess your father was going on a date with someone. They double dated back in the 60s. I guess right. your dad grew up in Rockville Center, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, um, and my mother was like, tell you, you know, tell Randy, Jordy and I went on a couple yeah. of double dates. So it's oh, crazy. Great. That's so, so crazy. And we have a lot of great mutual friends from Sydney yeah. to, to many, many others. And so I want to get into your whole path and your whole journey. It's a fascinating story. And I want to talk about everything from Casamigos, obviously, to the collaboration you did with Thursday's Boots and your life story, which is a, an incredible one. But first, I just want to ask you, what's a typical day like for Randy Gerber when you, when you wake up in the morning? Wow. Uh, well, there's no real typical days. Obviously, this past year has been uh, pretty much the same thing every day. But before that, it wasn't very typical. But so I wake up um, around six, um, come down, have coffee, have breakfast with Cindy. And uh, Kai has been home the past year as well. You know, we live out here in Malibu. So we've yeah. much been around the house mostly. Uh, Prezi's also here on the property. He has a guest house on the property. Uh, he'll come by at some point for breakfast as well. Then I'll hit the gym for about an hour. Um, meditate for a half hour, have lunch, do a bunch of phone calls. Now, typically in the morning, I'll first spend time with the family, spend an hour, you know, doing phone calls, catching up. And then, uh, then I'll start my day like in the gym, lunch, back on the phone, doing Zoom calls, uh, not many meetings in person, obviously. Yeah. Are uh, you going to the office now or not really? I stop in once in a while, but my employees are not um, required to go into the office. Okay. Um, so they're mostly working from home, but some come in, you know, whenever they want. Um, I think they're all looking forward to getting back to the office, you know, yeah, of course, space is such a great creative space. Um, I don't know if you've been up there, but it's just a big open space. I have it, but I want to talk about all that. And, and it's, so, it's more a lifestyle for you, the brand really, than it yeah. is going to the office. So I wanted to get into all that stuff. But actually, take me back to the very beginning, Randy, you started your career, you went to high school, obviously, we, we both went to the same high school, then you went to, I think, Arizona State, right? I went to University of Arizona. Okay. And then, and then at some point you became a model, right? So talk to me about that whole process and how that started for you. Yeah, that was kind of a part-time job when um, I was in New York. I'd go to New York in the summers. I'd be in Tucson, obviously going to school. I'd come back to New York in the summers. I met a photographer, asked me if I would be interested in modeling. I said, I'm not sure. But anyway, he took a couple of pictures, brought them up to Ford Agency and I guess they liked what they saw and they uh, started working a little bit, but I would only do it really in the summertime. For me, it was just about making some extra money so I could then travel. Uh, so it was never a career for me. I never thought of it as a career. You know, I would do some catalog jobs. I never wanted to become a model, but it was definitely a good way to make some extra money um, and travel around Europe. Yeah, so and you did travel as a model then. Yeah, I would travel, you know, eventually I would just, let's say I, I work for three or four weeks, get a good job, make enough money where I could travel for six weeks. 
And then I'd call the agency and tell them, you know, can you get me another job, make some more money, and then go travel till the money ran out. So that's what I really use it for. It was great, you know, great way to travel, see the world, make a little extra money. Yeah. And at a certain point, you went into commercial real estate, and then eventually we'll talk about, you know, the nightlife business and how you built that empire. But Talk to me about from the time you were modeling and then you got into the real estate business. Well, you know, as I said, modeling was great to make some money and travel. But uh, after I graduated uh, college, I thought, okay, I should really get a, a, a real job. Um, so I was always like kind of an entrepreneur. I could never really picture myself. Besides growing up, I had plenty of jobs. I worked in a yogurt shop. I worked in a sneaker store. I sold uh, rugs at a flea market. You know, I did all sorts of jobs. Um, but when I graduated college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. What I did know was I wasn't a nine to five kind of guy. And I wasn't someone who just wanted to work and make a salary. So I thought if I got into commercial real estate and what I was doing was leasing store space, you only make money when you get a deal done. Right. You don't get a salary. So if you Get a deal done, you make a commission on that deal. So kind of the sky's the limit. It depends how hard you want to work, how good you are. So I did that for two years um, and it worked out. I made some money, but I realized, well, I'm not really into, you know, being a commercial real estate broker. I mean, it was good money, but that was it. And it was fun to make deals, but I, it just wasn't a passion of mine. Mm. Um, and then, you know, that eventually led to me representing uh, Ian Schrager, who was just starting in the hotel business and with the Paramount Hotel. And uh, I was representing him trying to lease out the restaurant and bar in his hotel. And one day he came to me and he said, why don't you open the bar here? You know, I like you. I like your friends. And I knew nothing about that business. So it's like, OK, I'll give it a shot. Um, and that's how really that started, you know, with uh, originally what it was called. Uh, it was Midnight Oil Company because I was burning the midnight oil, you know, working <laughs> morning, noon and night. Yeah. Um, but just rewinding a bit, I mean, how do you meet a guy like Ian Schrager? I mean, obviously infamous for Studio 54 and probably the most famous nightclub ever in the history of, you know, culture. So how did you guys meet? It's not like you just cold call him, right? Uh, no, not at all. He actually... Um, went to, I was with a very large company at the time, it was called uh, Ed, Edward S. Gordon. And they had a small retail division. So it was me and six other guys. And he had called on the company to find, you know, out if their retail division would want to represent him trying to find the restaurant and uh, bar tenant for the Paramount. They gave that to me. And that's how I met Ian. It wasn't through Studio 54, even though when I was 16, I was going there go. wow, driving, driving from the island on uh, Friday night to go into the city and go to studio and then drive back at three, four in the morning. Yeah. What was it like, by the way? I've heard so many great stories about Studio 54. And, and actually, I don't really know Ian, but Nurkan is a great friend of mine who also partnered up with him for years, as you know. Correct. So um, I hear a lot of, you know, we know each other by, from mutual friends, but I never met him. So what was it like back in the day actually going to Studio 54 at 16? Wow, it was, I mean, it was unreal. There's never been a club like it, obviously. You just walked into this uh, world that just, it, it just something like that you couldn't imagine ever existed. Of course, it was a very difficult place to get in and the crowd was so well curated yeah. that 
you walk into almost like a fantasy land. And um, it just, you know, I mean, it didn't go for that long, but it was, you know, at, at the time I was 16, I would just go and sit. I wasn't a big drinker. I would just go sit and watch everything, just be amazed at the people and the sound system and the lighting and the theatrics that went on. I mean, Ian and Steve, they're genius at that. Yeah. Obviously, Ian's taken it to a whole new level with the hotel business, you know, but it was, yeah, it was really a fun, exciting place. And, and but also a different time in this world, you know, yeah. that would never exist today. You know? 100%. But yeah. your place has always had such a vibe, Randy, from, you know, the candlelight to the, even the scents and like, you know, the right. whiskey bar, the Paramount. And I'm right. guessing that your design aesthetic and, and your love for design kind of came from growing up around that, right? Yeah, for me, I was I've always like saw myself as kind of a design junkie. You know, I yeah. never studied design, but I always I always I love music. Um, I like fashion. I like photography. Um, and design was just something I, I've always wanted to create a great ambiance for whatever the situation is. So even in my apartment in New York, I created it, you know, everything from the lighting, as you said, to the incense that I burn, to the candle lid, you always want everyone to look good. So yeah. everything I do, I try and create an atmosphere that's conducive for socializing. So when I was able to bring that to a commercial space and open my first bar, I kind of brought that same aesthetic. I wanted something very laid back. I always curated my, my own playlist um, for every place that I did. Um, it was a little bit different, but I designed it for what I would want. You know, so when you walk in, you want to look good. So you want the lighting to be right. Um, you want uh, comfortable couches. You want the music at the right level where it's still conducive for having a conversation. You want the best drinks, the freshest, you know, juices and, you know, everything that goes along with it. So I was able to create really what I wanted out of that. And I was fortunate to be able to work with Philippe Stark on my first place. Yeah. Um, I think he thought I was a little crazy because my first part at the Paramount was only 800 square feet. Right. And I had these big, deep, comfortable couches that only fit like 40 people. And you know, he thought you could fit so many more people. Let's go with smaller furniture. And, but it was the vibe that I wanted. And uh, fortunately it, it worked out. Yeah, I think between the Paramount and the Rose Bar, probably my two favorite Actually, the whiskey bar and the Rose Bar, my two favorite yeah, yeah. spots in New York uh, ever. And I don't know if you spent a lot of time at the Rose Bar, but it's such another yes. a great yes. spot. Great spot. Yeah. Incredible. So yeah. at a certain point, you launched this company. You launched the Gerber Group, I believe, with your two brothers, right? Well, I had uh, Midnight Oil Company, and then I had Gerber Group. And at the time, I had hired my brother, uh, my older brother, to work for me because I wasn't really... Um, I didn't have time to do deal with attorneys and accountants and things like that. So he would negotiate the deals for me. He would deal with the accountants and attorneys. Uh, he was still working in the real estate business. Okay. So I built that company. And after a couple of years, um, I decided to bring him on full time. And then eventually, as the business grew, you know, went from one place to 40 something. Um, as the company grew, I felt like I really needed someone full time. And I asked him to come on board full time. And I gave him... Uh, piece of the company so he could be a partner and um, and then as that went on and on I gave him more and more and more and then eventually when I started Casamigos um, I had to sell all of my interest mm. in the bar business because you can't have a liquor license and own a liquor 
Okay. So I ended up selling my company to Scott. Yeah. And then my young brother worked for me as well. Um, he would manage a couple of places and he would help set them up. So, yeah. And then my dad as well at the time, you know, he was, you know, he was like Mr. New York. He would just go in and, and just hang with the employees and take them to dinner. And he, he, he loved it. He loved being around that. Well, at a certain point, so you said you had about 40 spots, right? What were some yeah. of the challenges that you were faced with? It's hard enough to have one spot, as we know, right? But to have 40, there must have been a lot of challenges along the way. And obviously, how did you deal with that? What were some of the successes and, and even some of the, the, the downfalls of having that many spots at, at that point? Yeah, well, you know, for me, I've always said that, yeah, with more places, maybe comes more money but for me i was i preferred having like two or three places you know i had this whiskey at the sunset marquee i had sky bar i had you know the first few places were great because i knew i you know i hired everyone i knew all my employees and um it was just something i was so passionate about there came a point where you know i i always loved the creative process so the design was the most important thing creating that ambiance over and over again. And it was a little different in each place. You know, in New Orleans, I had two places, uh, in Chicago, Atlanta, Madrid, Mexico City. So the real challenge for me was not being able, after a couple of thousand employees, you don't know everyone's name, you know? Right, uh, of course. So I'd walk into a place where I couldn't get there for two years sometimes. <laughs> and I'd be, and it was really hard because you know, here it is, I, I spent so much time designing and creating this ambiance, but then I walk in and I'm, I'm almost like just a customer, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know my employees personally. Yeah. And that was, that was hard. Then, it, then I really just became uh, just a business. And um, like I said, the creative part, I've always loved and I continue to love that. Um, I didn't love operating it as a business, which is why I handed that over to my brother and, you know, a great team around me. Yeah. Do you think you would ever do something again in the nightlife space or at this point, obviously it's not something, your heart's not in it? No, my heart's not in it. I, I now take uh, my creative outlet is building homes and, and, you know, working on marketing for Casamigos and other things. Um, I just think that life, you know, it was great when I was doing it, but that world has changed so much, you know, number one, it's difficult. I do like a challenge and I'm always thinking about new ideas. Oh, I would love to open this type of restaurant or this type of bar. But then I sit back and I'm like, wait a minute, I already did that. Why do I want to do that again? There's a lot of other things I want to do. It's funny because I think when I sat with you at Craig's, our mutual friend Roy was like, you guys should open up a place to, I'm like, Randy's already done like you know, 50, though, he doesn't need to do another one. <laughs> he keeps asking me in Miami. I was in Miami because I just bought a, a, a place there. And I saw Roy last week. He's like, you know, we need to open a place here. I said, Roy, you can do it. <laughs> I'll give you a break. You do it. I don't have any, I'll come. I'll eat there. I'll have a good time. But I want to walk away. I don't want to sit there and say, that light's out. Or the music's too loud. Or, you know, that's the, also the problem with owning a place. You just, you notice everything. Like, Cindy hates going, you know, at the time she was like, I just can't go with you anymore to your place. If I go, I need to bring friends because you're, you can't sit down. You're constantly up from the table, adjusting the music or the lighting or saying, take care of that table. How come they have empty glasses? And, you know, so, so you're how old at this point when you have about 40 spots here in your thirties? I'm in my thirties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And at some point along the way, you meet your beautiful wife, Cindy Crawford. So I'd love to talk about the story, how you guys met 
I think it was at her agent's wedding, right? It was. It was actually the night before. Uh, my agent was having kind of a pre-party before uh, the night before his wedding. And it was your agent and not her agent. No, it was her agent. Her agent. Okay. Her agent. And, um, but we, he was also my friend from summer camp. Okay. So I was invited to the wedding, but not with my girlfriend at the time. Cindy was invited with her boyfriend, but her boyfriend was out of town. So our mutual friend who was getting married said, why don't you guys meet and, and go together? Now I had a girlfriend and I didn't think that would go over too well. So I was like, I don't think I can do that. And, um, she, but anyway, the night before we had a, uh, there was a small party at the whiskey at my place. So she shows up and we had met and we got along really well. Obviously, we just said, well, of course, we're going to go together. I mean, you know, we had a good time that night. So so we showed up. Uh, we ended up going to the wedding together the, the next night. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny. It wasn't a great I don't think I made a great well second impression. The first night, everything was great. The second um, I had a place in Miami at the whiskey in Miami at the time. So I had clothes like all over the place, like LA and Miami. And, and of course I don't pick my clothes out in advance. So when I went to, uh, you know, grab my tuxedo from the closet, I realized my tuxedo shirt I had left in Miami. So I had no shirt. <laughs> I had to run to Bloomingdale's to get a shirt, come back home, I get changed. I have a car take me down to pick up Cindy. And she's literally standing at the door of her building like with a bottle of champagne, like, are you fucking kidding me? You're showing up a half hour late to, oh pick me up to go to a wedding. <laughs> I, fortunately, I had brought a bottle of tequila with me. I had in the car, <laughs> and I tried to explain that, you know, I forgot my shirt. It was in Miami. And she, and she, re she goes, I, by the way, I believe you because I see the, the lines, the folding lines. <laughs> Which just goes to show you, even if you're a half an hour late, you can still have a beautiful marriage after that. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. So walk me through that point. You're married. You have 40 spots, Randy. And yeah. at a certain point, you have incredible friends like George Clooney. And you guys, I believe, have houses together in Mexico. You're on vacation. You have a, a lifelong friendship with George. And at a certain point, you start making your own tequila just for fun, right? Right. Yeah, we were, um, George and I were building homes in, in Cabo. And uh, we had one big property that I was, I designed two houses to go on this property. Originally, George wanted just one big house to share. Um, I thought that was a great idea. Cindy was like, that's not going to happen. George is, at the time, he was, you know, single. Right. And I'm married with two kids. <laughs> She's right. like, we're not sharing a house. So <laughs> let's build two. So we built two houses on the property. That would have been a fun house, though, I guess. Uh, yeah, it was still fun, even with the two houses. <laughs> Because it felt like one compound. There'd be okay. breakfast at my house. There'd be lunch at his, dinner yeah. at mine. You know, it, it was one compound. And um, so while we were building the houses, we thought like, you know, we, would, we always drank a lot of tequila. But, um, you know, when you spend time in Mexico, obviously you're drinking a little more. And bartenders would recommend their favorites. Some was good, some not great. Some was expensive, not too expensive. So there came a point where George is like, why don't we just make one to serve at our house like a house tequila? So I'm like, that's a great idea. So we end up meeting a master distiller at one of the distilleries. We told them what we wanted. Uh, the name of our homes was Casamigos before we had any tequila involved. Yeah. So 
we just called it House of Friends. Um, and so we met a master distiller and we told them what we wanted. We said, we want the smoothest tequila. We don't want any burn at all, which is um, not usual for tequila. Like um, tequila is made to have some burn. That's just the way people at the time liked it. Sure. But, we said, but we're making it to drink. We're just making it for ourselves. So we don't want any burn. We want it super smooth. So we spent about two years perfecting it. And we finally got it. We would serve it at the houses. We'd give it to friends. And oh, you guys have to start selling this. This is so great. Because it was different than all other tequilas. So, um, you know, and even when we started uh, coming up with the bottle, the name of our homes were Casamigos. The logo for our house was very similar. So I pretty much just took the samples that were coming to me in this plastic bottle, which was the same shape as our glass bottle. I said, let's just turn the plastic into glass. We'll put a cork in it. We have the name, it's called Casamigos. So I designed this label and we're just drinking it ourselves. And then we got a call from our distillery saying, hey guys, we have a, we have a situation. Um, we've been sending you for over a year, we've been sending you a thousand bottles. And that was just for your friends, by the way, a thousand yeah. bottles. <laughs> for our friends, and we, we were drinking a lot, but yeah. you know, we were giving it to friends. So they said, either you are selling it or you're drinking way too much. But either way, you need to get licensed because we can't keep calling it samples. You know, we're sending you too much. Right. So I figured, okay, whatever. We'll, we'll start a company. I don't care if we sell one bottle. I mean, we knew our friends wanted it anyway, but I was like, I don't care as long as we can keep drinking it. I mean, our, our, the most important thing to us was to keep making the tequila so we can drink and our friends could drink it. Well, anyway, we uh, signed up with a, with a distributor and um, launched this. You know, I had two people for me, you know, that worked for me at the time. We launched it and the company took off like really fast just because people tried it and they liked it and they told a friend and they told a friend that, you know, during these days of social media, you can't bullshit. You, you know, if you don't have a great product, people aren't going to drink it. Maybe exactly. they'll try it once, but they're not going to drink it again. You know, cut to, uh, you know, where we are today and we are, you know, one of the biggest tequilas in, in the world. So it's, it's been unbelievable. Incredible. Still, and you had a third partner, Mike Melman, right? Yes. Mike's a, a partner as well. Mike owns Discovery Land Company. Yeah. Brilliant at what he does. And um, he's a good friend. So I thought he'd be a great partner. Um, he knows the business world. And he's just, you know, genuine, just a really good guy. And uh, so we brought him in and he's a partner as well. Three of us. Yeah, I've been to Mike Melman's house in Cabo and I was there, I think for possibly New Year's Eve. And it was like Larry David and Irving Azoff. And like, yeah. <laughs> he's connected to everyone in the world. So between the three of you guys, pretty good chance the brand's going to be successful, right? So yeah. it's, it's incredible. Well, if, product, so. yeah, if the product's not good, it still would have been a failure. But fortunately, we had a great product. And, and yes, it worked out. It yeah, worked and I heard a great story about how George wanted to kind of give it away for free to everyone when you first started. Tell me that story. We did. Well, we were thinking, okay, now that we're launching this, we know that we're better than the other brands that are out there. So we said, hey, why don't we take it and just say, first one's free. You go into any restaurant or bar, First one's on us, right? So, because we wanted everyone to try it. And so I'm like, that's brilliant. Because we know once they try Casamigos, they're not going to go back to whatever they were drinking. Yeah. So we said, here's the campaign. We're going to do that. First one's free. Unbeknownst to us, it's that's against the law. <laughs> so, we, <laughs> so we couldn't do that. Um, but fortunately, people tried it. And then they did switch from whatever else they were drinking. I mean, the, 
the funny thing is people even switch from drinking vodka and some other liquors just because they understand how clean it is to just drink tequila. It's just hundred percent pure agave, low calorie count and uh, easy to drink. You know, Casamigos, you just drink straight up or on the rock. So it's so yeah. easy to drink. And um, yeah, it's uh, word has definitely gotten out. Yeah. And talk to me about the marketing, Randy, for a company like this, obviously, you guys, I think it was a few years ago, you sold it to Diageo for under like a billion dollars, which is crazy. And congratulations. Yeah, thank I've you. never told you congratulations, but, um, <laughs> but it's incredible. So the marketing behind this brand was incredible. Uh, I know George is very involved too with the creative, right? As well as you. And talk to me about how you really decided to market the brand differently than other brands because to come up so fast and have that kind of sale, you know, fairly quickly is pretty incredible. Yeah, well, you know, for me, I run the company, um, George does his part, Mike does his part. And it, the, the biggest challenge for me um, when coming up with the marketing was for people to understand that it's not a celebrity brand. We made this strictly for us to drink. It wasn't like, let's put our name on, you know, we got a celebrity involved. Let's put George's name on it. And it'll go out, you know, da, 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 you know, which obviously is happening a lot today. So for me, I had to really come up with a plan for people to understand the authenticity mm. um, and the story behind the brand. So even with the first video that we shot, I don't know if you've seen it, but we had shot something where um, it, um, it, it was actually really funny. And then it was pulled off of like YouTube because they thought someone else had the rights to it because it was shown on entertainment tonight. But it, was, it pretty much was, it could happen. And what happened was George and I, when we finally got like the 700 sample in a bottle sent to us, him and I sat there, we tasted it and we were like, this is it. It's, it's perfect. It was so perfect that we polished the entire bottle off. Like mm. we, George and I shared the entire bottle. And then we got a ride home back to my house and at my house in Malibu, we have a guest house down on the beach where George usually stays when he stays over. But this night he decided to stay upstairs in one of our kids' rooms because our kids were young at the time and they decided to sleep in the master bedroom. So we get home very late. Um, George had ridden his motorcycle out. So he had met me at a restaurant, but we had taken you know, a car back because we couldn't drive. After a bottle and, of tequila. Yes. <laughs> and so George decides he, you know, he can't walk down to the beach house. I said, just go stay up in, in my kids' room. So he goes in there. And I go and stay in my other kid's room and uh, Cindy wakes up. It's like one, two in the morning. And she's like, where the fuck is Randy? Like he's not even home yet. So she goes and just to check to see if I maybe fell asleep in one of the kids' rooms. And she walks in and she thinks it's me late face down, phone, phone in my hand, my head's on my phone, motorcycle boots, fully clothed. And she gets in bed and she's like, hey, babe, babe you know, why don't you get undressed and get under the covers, babe? And then it happens to be George. He turns around and goes, oh, my God. And then Cindy freaked out. Oh, my God. And so George thought he actually got into bed with Cindy into the master bed. And Cindy was freaked out. So she found me and she's like, I just got into bed. I said, it was George. Why is he in the you know, kids' room? And anyway, cut to 10 minutes later, we hear noise downstairs. She goes, you better go downstairs and see what's going on. So he's downstairs. We have this junk drawer with like candy and potato chips up. And he's just munching out. And he's like, oh, my God, I, got, I was freaked out. I thought I got into bed 
with, with you and Cindy. But I said, Cindy was freaked out too. So anyway, the next morning uh, we're talking about and George is, is like, wow, this is the perfect dad. Like drink a bottle of Casamigos and wake up with Cindy Crawford. <laughs> and Cindy goes, or oh, drink a bottle and wake up with George Clooney. So we ended up shooting this video at George's house um, and it went viral. It had like, I don't know, a million or millions of views. And then yeah. um, it was funny, but everything we do is truly organic. You know, the, the trucks that we have, you know, George and I, that's from, you know, we go to our distillery and we, you know, we love riding motorcycles. We've been doing yeah. it for, you know, since we've known each other, we take trips every summer for a couple of weeks and we go. So we got some motorcycles, went down to Jalisco, rode around, got some pictures from that and you know those are on the trucks but so everything we do is organic and, and authentic and i think it's so important to have that authenticity because as i said you can't bullshit your consumers you know you yeah. don't have a great product it's not going to work i don't care who's behind it you know you can have the greatest you know instagram model influencers or this celebrity or that you know i mean as we see they're all trying to put their names on things but yeah. people read through it you know and um so you know fortunately anyway going back to my biggest struggle was people understanding and just coming up with a plan so so you know the consumer really understands it's not a celebrity brand it happens to be owned you know george's part of it and i'm part of it yeah. but this is the real story behind it so just give it a shot and if you like it you're going to keep drinking it if you're not you're going to go drink something else so you guys still do like boys trips even now? Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we love the boys trips. Yes. And has your dynamic changed now that you're in business with one of your best friends, Randy? Not at all. No. Um, like I said, I you know, even though we sold to Diageo, nothing changed. You know, one of the things when I sold to Diageo was I want to continue. I want to keep my entire team together, and I want to continue running the company. So the great thing about working with Diageo is they've given me the freedom to do what I do. You know, um, we don't spend money on marketing and advertising and things like that. I do everything in-house. Um, I'm very quiet when I do things and I want to just keep it, you know, in-house. I don't hire marketing firms. I don't hire outside companies to do any of the work. So I come up with the ideas with my team. You know, I have a great young team of, of, you know, creative passion, people that, you know, that really live the lifestyle. Hmm. Um, you know, we have a great time together and, it's something that, um, you know, like I said, my office is, it's just, it's a big loft space. It's got a bar, a pool table, ping pong table, you know, there's, you know, big long tables and couches. So you, people are working wherever. I don't have like a separate office, yeah. you know, that I work in. So I'm working with everyone else. And it's great because everyone's always talking, you know, whether you're working on marketing or distribution or PR or design or whatever it is it's a very collaborative office and that's the way I like to work. You know, I'm always asking opinions. Of course I have the final say, but I'm not always right. You know, yeah. I come up with it. What I think is a brilliant idea for something. I pass it amongst the office. You know, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? So I like to collaborate, you know, um, on, on everything. So even with George, I have ideas and I'll say, you know, I want to, I want to do this. Are you up for it? And he'll either say, yeah, but let's change it up a little bit. Let's do this. Or let's, that's perfect. Let's do it. Mike as well. You know, Mike is incredible at what he does. And, um, you know, so I think as a team, it, it works out perfectly. Obviously this is my 
full-time job. Those guys have other right, right. jobs, yeah. but I love it. I love what I do. And, and they're perfect partners for, you know, they're really great. Yeah. Well, part of the genius marketing is also the annual Halloween party you guys do. So during this pandemic, I think you guys actually took a truck around from what I remember and went to people's houses, right? Because we all yeah. couldn't get together in person. So talk to me about how you had to pivot during this pandemic and even something like the Halloween party, which is a huge part of your marketing. Yeah. It's like the hardest party in LA. I don't think I've ever been actually. So I have to go one year oh, with all the people yeah. I know. I don't, yes, but, uh, but, yeah, but, but talk to me about how, how you did it for this year too. So the Halloween party, yes, it's, it's one of the parties where I spend, you know, I mean, we probably working on that six months beforehand, just trying to come up with, okay, what do we want to do this year to outdo last year? And it's really just a way to give back, like to our house of friends, everyone who supported us in the past and fans of the brand and things like that. And it's just, you know, a bunch of friends. I mean, you know, a couple of hundred, <laughs> uh, but so uh, this year though, you know, we, we couldn't do a party, obviously. So instead, we figured, okay, I need to come up with something. Um, so I designed a truck where we brought Halloween to you. So in the truck, we had the motorcycle. We had plenty of Casamigos. Right. We had um, we had uh, candy. We had uh, we had projectors. We had DVDs of or CD, whatever you know, where you could just stream movies. So we were giving it. We would pull up to someone's house, and we had onesies made. We we totally decked out the truck. And we'd pull up to someone's house. They got to go in and take whatever they wanted, you know? So they had a projector that would shoot on a wall with Halloween movies. There would be, they'd get the onesies. They, of course, took a lot of Casamigos. Oh, and then, it, you know, candy. And then they, you know, took a couple of pictures in, in, in the truck and stuff like that. So were these influencers or celebrities? They weren't just regular, I mean. No, it was friends. I mean, we had everyone... You know, of course, there were some high profile people that really wanted it. When they found out we were doing the truck, they were like, can you send it to our house? Can you send it to ours? The thing was, so it was supposed to be a one day thing where we could send it to a couple of people's houses. And then we also did a contest, like, you know, why we should bring the truck to your house. Right. So there were people that we sent it to that no one knew. They maybe have, you know, 30 followers on Instagram, whatever it is. But they just sent in really fun, funny videos. Um, so we did that as well. So it was supposed to be a one day thing. The problem was we had a team um, that had to, after every stop, we'd have to take everything out. We have to sanitize it. It was like they had hazmat suits on, you know, you had to wipe everything down, spray it down. So that was like an hour and a half process, just breaking it down and then resetting it, going to someone else's house. So we ended up doing um, three days of the truck because there was so much demand. I mean, it could have gone on for a month probably, but it was like, let's just take three days. It was a lot of work, but it was really a lot of fun. And it was just a way to kind of continue our tradition and get creative instead of, you know, because we couldn't have the Halloween party, we're going to bring Halloween to you to enjoy with your family, you know? So yeah, that's, that's what we ended up doing this year. Like I said, Incredible. the creative part is what I love the most. So yeah, well, hopefully this year. That'll be happening in person. Fingers crossed, right? Yes, I'm hoping, yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Well, walk me through this collaboration. I, I, we can't uh, not talk about this amazing Thursday's Boots collaboration you did. I think our mutual friend Jameson yes. maybe connected you with the brand and yes. Nolan Walsh is a friend. And, and I hear that this boot is something that you kind of designed to 
hang out with people like the Rolling Stones, right? Because it's a yeah. motorcycle boot. Yes, exactly. Well, for me, as I said, I, you know, I love riding. Um, I do road trips all the time. And it, for me, it was like, it was always difficult to find a really sturdy, like rugged boot, but that also had the comfort where you didn't have to wear it for two years to break it in. So um, yeah, through Jameson, I met Nolan. Yeah. I thought they were doing great stuff. And I said, hey, do you have any interest in letting me design a, a boot, a motorcycle boot, but that you can wear at night, go to dinner and it, you know, one you don't have to take off, but you know, it's not just for riding motorcycles. And so what I did was I took parts of all of my favorite boots, whether it was the softest leather from this boot, the steel toe from this boot, the sole that I like, the comfort, the insole, the, um, you know, the laces. I mean, everything that I, all my favorite things from a boot. And um, I think, you know, I, what, what I do is I went to Nolan. I said, these are all the things I want, but I'm going to warn you, I'm a perfectionist. Like, you know, I, every detail. And he said, I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm definitely into it. So we probably had at least 10 rounds of, you know, the boots coming back and me, you know, the sole was a little too thick, the, the, I wanted a little softer leather. I wanted to, you know, change certain things on it, went back and forth, then finally perfected it. Um, we made them, I, they sold out within a day, which fantastic. I mean, I just, you know, I don't make any money from it whatsoever. Any money that I make all goes to a charity. So it's not like I, I did this to, to make some extra money, you know? <laughs> So any money that I make uh, went to charity, but it was a huge success. And I did it in um, like a dark brown and a black. See I think there's still a couple left, but it's incredible. It's called the Casamoto Cafe Racer. So yes, definitely, yes. Uh, if there's a few left, you definitely want to get those. So a, a great brand. We love Thursday's boots. So a couple last things I wanted to ask you, Randy. Do you yes. still have that 67 Corvette? I do. And is love that your it. pride and joy? Yeah, I love the vet. Um, yeah, I'll never sell that. That was a gift from my wife. Um, so that's something that I love. You know, fortunately, because I live in Malibu, you know, it's so easy. Just get on PCH, drive up the coast. It's such a beautiful car. And I just, you know, I, I love I love the sound of it, the way it rides, you know. Right. It's so different than obviously your typical cars. Right. You know, a muscle car just has that. You 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 get out of it, you just reek from gas and you know, you're hot from the motor. But I love that. I love, yeah, I, lo I love old muscle cars. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, do you ever want to shield your kids from sort of the pitfalls of the entertainment industry? Such a hard business. And especially now, you know, social media and everything out there. How do you feel about them getting into and obviously succeeding in the business? But what are your thoughts on that? Well, listen, of course, uh, if I don't know if I had to do it over, would I live uh, on a ranch in Montana somewhere? possibly probably <laughs> but you know there's such great kids and i want them to do whatever they want to do um you know kaya's great at, you know she's still modeling she's acting now she's uh has a book club you know she's got so much going on so i just support whatever you know lifestyle they want you know my son presley has a, a new brand called cali sober Nice. And um, so he's launching that soon here. He did a drop, I think about a month ago. He explains it as like just the, the California or really the Malibu lifestyle, just, you know, free being outside, being at the beach, being, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lifestyle brand. So he's got clothing, he's got jackets and 
you know, sweatshirts and hats and, you know, button down shirt. He's got a bunch of different stuff that he's launched. So he's going to, he did the first drop, which fortunately, you know, yeah, it did really well. It was at Maxfield, some of the highest stores. Yeah. Um, and now he's doing the second one, I think in a couple of weeks. So he's, you know, he's been really busy as well. Um, it's kind of been nice, you know, this you know, quarantine thing, having the family around because everyone's kind of looking at life a little bit differently and maybe having a different outlook and maybe different passions about what really is meaningful to them. Yeah. And, you know, even though we live in LA and it's a very Hollywood town, we're definitely not a Hollywood family, you know? <laughs> um, so they come to you for guidance on their businesses. I would assume so. Right. Yeah, they do at times. And, you know, if, if they want it, I give it to them. I try not to volunteer too much. <laughs> you know, because I could have a tendency to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at times they do come to me or they'll come to Cindy and say, hey, what do you think about this? And sometimes they appreciate that. And sometimes they're like, okay, I, I don't necessarily agree, but I appreciate your opinion. Yeah. Amazing. And so what's next for you, Randy? I mean, you've done so much. You led an incredible life. Obviously, so much success. Anything next to you on the horizon that you're like, I still want to do this or, or is it, or have you done everything? So many things I still want to do. Um, just not enough time, but yeah, there's a couple of new projects I'm working on. I'm continuing to run Casamigos. So we have um, a few new products coming out with, with Casamigos as well. Um, so as long as I stay on board, you know, we'll be coming out with new products. Um, and, and once again, I, I, um, there are so many opportunities out there, but I, I'm really trying to limit ones to, you know, the ones that I get involved in are the ones that I really feel passionate about and that I feel I can help the brands. Um, it's not just making investments in things. Um, and then really trying to mentor like a younger generation. Yeah. Um, I think is important. I think that you know, I've been fortunate in my life and I learned a lot of things um, as I grew, whether it's in the business world or just, you know, the world of life or, you know, having a family, having kids that hopefully I can inspire others or help others if they're, you know, whether they're uh, trying to start a new company or struggling, raising money or on the creative end or whatever it is. I just, I really like mentoring that younger generation. Definitely. Well, your story is an incredibly inspiring one. It's great to see you. I hope that we get to hang out in person one of these days. Maybe we'll do like a Craig's dinner one night or something. For sure. Let's we'll do get that. Roy and Jameson and Nolan and, and the band back together. I, inv I invited Jameson out. Uh, I actually spoke to him yesterday. Uh, I told him he should head out. So he's, he might do that. We'll definitely get back together for sure. Awesome. I loved it. Great to see you. And I appreciate you All coming right. on, Randy. Okay. 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 All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. So there it is, folks. What an incredible guy, incredible story. Wow. He sold the company for almost a billion dollars. Married to Cindy Crawford, two beautiful kids. Such a great guy. What a great story. Randy Gerber, thank you for coming on. Thank you for tuning in. It means a lot to us. Once again, if you'd like the show, please give the show five stars on iTunes. Spotify, whatever you, wherever you may listen to it. The show is available everywhere and it is free. So by you rating the show, it is very helpful to us. I really appreciate it. Have a great week and we'll see you back in about a week or so. We have an interview with Miles Kennedy and Damon Johnson coming up. Hey. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.